And now, your introduction for today's Unbuilt, read by the most famous Looney Tunes character of the 90s, the Tasmanian Devil. Enjoy the show. Welcome, dreamers of all ages, to another episode of Unbuilt, an unrealized theme park podcast. With me here today, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Dorman. How are we doing this uh, to the, this day? Well, I'm reading ahead uh, in the notes here really quickly. You didn't see that new Jurassic World movie, did you? Uh, yeah, I did. Oh, well, uh, I can now, now. I was excited to talk about some Unbuilt theme park attractions and... Now you're going to doom me to talk about the new Jurassic World movie, <laughs> it which is... I haven't seen yet. So actually, I, I have many questions, but I'm, I'm doing well today. Are you going to see? All right. So the first one I remember watching when I was younger, like, mm-hmm. uh, geez, when did that come out? 2014? 2015, yeah. Right. So I was 15 years old and mm-hmm. I didn't, I remember I didn't like it. And then I saw Fallen Kingdom and I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I thought I was like... I was in disbelief that that was the a sequel because the first one is at least like a bad sequel to Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Um, it's passable, I guess. But Fallen Kingdom is, I think, so bad that I couldn't even believe it was in the same series as anything that Steven Spielberg would have touched. Jurassic, um, yeah, the original Jurassic World is has a really good novel concept behind it. Yeah, and that's if what if Jurassic Park actually opened with visitors, and that's what makes it work. Uh, even though it has some really bad dialogue and stuff. But uh, the second Jurassic World, I think, is hilarious. Uh, not intentionally. No, but, of course uh, not. I thought it was, under, it was ironically a hoot. So I, I, I can it definitely it, it's like a weird cross section between a B movie and getting your teeth pulled because there's some <laughs> neat ideas going on, like sci fi wise of like the rich people. If I remember correctly, the rich people all own the dinosaurs in that one, right? And they're mm-hmm. gonna they're auctioning them off. They're auctioning it's- them off in this house. And of course, what happens? Oh yeah, the dinosaurs get loose. And then they they the the big new bigger than T Rex, bigger than anything is unleashed. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. becomes like a little bit of like a, a slasher movie for a mm-hmm. couple minutes. Right. Um, yeah, so this new one is is the one with the three old returning leads and Correct. i'm, I'm yes. curious to know how i've heard only you know stories so far about how absolutely terrible it, they are but <laughs> it is um it's like laura dern and sam neill especially are extremely talented actors and it is such such depression to see them have to deliver this dialogue uh it, it is and have all these goofy moments uh, it does really harken back to Crystal Soul and watching Harrison Ford and Karen Allen go through those beats. I could not could not believe at times just how corny this film could get. 
Mm. I think uh, Bryce Dallas Howard does a really good job when she's not having to recite any of the lines of the script. Suffice it to say that when you have the ending of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and you remember how that ends, right? The dinosaurs all come to the real world, right? Is the they come right. they like they they, they get loose. They get loose. Yes. Exactly. Which is a okay. neat I remember watching that and being like, okay, the next one could be like vaguely interesting. Like they could do a pretty they could try. Um I am gathering though from what you're saying that it's not they don't pay off on that, do they? Right. So the entire film begins with like a news report on how dinosaurs in the real world are doing and you mostly get like reports of them in like coastal settings or remote settings and stuff like that because if you were to do i don't know a city it would cost too much to do that production and they're clearly not interested in that and that's really all you get like the for the bulk of it like the dinosaurs are in remote locations we spend most of our time in a weird remote italian sanctuary area where the dinosaurs are being kept in uh this facility run by some another evil genetics company so they don't deliver on the promise of the dinosaurs being in the real world almost at all uh it's there's a an incredibly insipid subplot about uh this evil genetics company doing some experiment with these locusts who they basically make like these prehistoric giant locusts to try and control the world's food supply but of course that goes awry because they for some reason haven't learned from all the mistakes that have been made in the past 30 years in this universe and it is one of the dumbest plots i have ever seen it is also two and a half hours long so the the villain isn't even like it's bugs it's not dinosaurs well that's the thing like the main cause like the main like that's the kind of like the weird MacGuffin is the bugs and the dinosaurs are kind of they're kind of like a uh a side thing like they exist but nobody really gives a shit about them Okay. Right. Uh, I mean, like they exist. They, there's certainly there's dinosaurs, but they're not the focus. But you'd think that, like the you know, with the premise that I left off on, that the focus would be dinosaur wacky hijinks. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yes, abs- absolutely. And it's, it's it's with Colin Trevor out immediately coming out and saying, "No, no, that's not what the sequel is going to be about." You you kind of want to give a big middle finger and go. Universal, why, why, why did you trust this? Yeah. And I think they were just banking on, well, we're going to get Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, and Laura Dern back. And to be fair, to be fair, those three are in it a lot. They aren't sidelined for Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. They are absolutely not. They are on the same level. So if you are going to see that movie strictly for that, you don't care about the script, the dialogue, anything else, you will get what you are promised, but it's not good. No. Okay. Well, that's, I can't really say it's disappointing. I mean, it's the guy who did the book of Henry, right? So I didn't have high hopes, Um, Mm. but it's probably going to draw on a lot of people from the, the three, old leads from the original movie um you know it's a real shame that they pulled jeff goldblum off the set of the wonderful world of 
National Geographic. <laughs> That's right. It's National about. Geographic show. Yeah. The thing he did, the, the show that they advertised like crazy for Disney plus when mm-hmm. the service first launched. Right. You know, watched. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I, 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 would you recommend people go see it? If you're into really bad movies, mm. <laughs> you'll see when Jurassic park four comes around. Oh God. So like universal's promising. This is the last one we promise. I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll see about that. Does it, does it, uh, without, without of course, spoiling the audience who are diehard Jurassic park fans, uh, how does it, does it seem to give room for another one or. I mean, if they wanted to. Okay. So it's, yeah, so if they wanted to, I just don't know where they go with it from here. Mm. Maybe, I guess they, they, maybe they finally like make a movie where dinosaurs are wreaking havoc on the world, but it just kind of seems to end with, well, this is the way things are. Oh, really? It's just like, yeah. Super, yeah. Well, don't, they're going to do a, a Netflix kids TV show animated in like the world's oldest Silicon Valley or Silicon uh-huh. Lake, like animation software. What was that one show? Camp? Did you, Camp I, I think, did you, did you like that? Cause I think you did watch that if I remember correctly. Oh, it's, I just watch it for the dino scenes. That's it. Okay. It's, it's poorly animated, but it's all right. Mm-hmm. They do some weird shit with it. So I, you know, I had high hopes for Colin Trevorrow's Jurassic park <laughs> reboot. Number three. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> the legacy sequel of Jurassic Park, which has uh, previously never had a single good regular sequel. Right. Before we move on, I just want to say that there is a great scene um, that is supposed to be menacing in it, where this dinosaur with really long nails yeets another dinosaur across <laughs> the jungle, and it's supposed to be scary, but it's really, really funny. So that should give you an idea of uh, what to expect with Jurassic World Dominion. Is there anything that they can retheme the ride to in Florida? Maybe uh, I would like to see that scene done in he's animatronic form. Yeah, it's like he just is like a little long nails goes and you see the dinosaur fly across. <laughs> Pew! <laughs> oh, wow. Th- today is going to be a really long episode. Um, we're, we're not even going to move on to our main topic yet. <laughs> Because last week, uh, well, last time we discussed uh, DC Comics in Cartoon World, which was going to be the uh, proto Islands of Adventure before Islands of Adventure. And um, um, doing my research for this week's one, I actually missed something for the DC Universe. Uh, this is from uh, Sam Genoway's Disney versus Universal. Great book. Uh, so this was going to be a, another concept for that DC land. So let me read it right now. Another show was inside Hall of Legends. The Mind Warp Chamber was a domed feeder with reclining chairs. Visitors would put on a cyber helmet with 3D lenses and holographic sound. After being scanned, they would be sent into a quote-unquote super reality. However, Brainiac would interrupt the trip. He would have seized the chamber where and all who were there as bait so he can capture the entire Justice League. A screen that covered the entire ceiling would engulf the audience. The 3D illusion would have put the characters and special effects right into the face of visitors, unlike any other attraction. The Green Lantern, Captain Adam, Hawkman, and Hawkwoman... Okay, I don't even know those last two. uh, ...would do their best to rescue the audience, but Brainiac would capture them. The same thing would happen to Wonder Woman. Hey, there she is. Cyborg and the Green Arrow. Even Superman would struggle with Brainiac until he figured out how to get help from the audience. In this 3D movie, the audience would play an active role by reaching out to grasp the scion 
energy field, which would destroy Brainiac's hold on everyone and he would be captured. Now, uh, one thing I really like about that is that the whole idea of in a 3D movie when something is coming at you and the audience goes to instinctively grab towards it, that they would actually make that a plot point. I I, I freaking love that. That it's, is great. It is a great idea like instinctually push that kind of interaction uh it's pretty neat. I think I, you know, the 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 technology and the way that they've tried to like intervene, uh, intertwine tech and uh, the theme park experience in these uh, um, uh, these attractions in the superhero area are are pretty ingenious. It's kind of this mm-hmm. is another one of those cases. It feels like where it's like, oh man, that would have been pretty smart. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say about it? <laughs> Not really. I mean, look, it's a three D movie. All right. It's a three D movie. Yeah, a, I, I like that it was a domed theater. Like this is a very interesting take on the. 3d show right right it was kind of like a like a like a well like a planetarium a bit kind yeah, of thing. yeah i just think like during the entire entire presentation everything would be interrupted by audience members constantly going who who yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not one part of the snyder verse yeah like who who's who's captain adam who's mm. Who's Hawkman? Who's Hawkwoman? And some comic book nerd goes, you never listened. You never read the comics. <laughs> Just be really mad the entire time. This could have been the universe where Hawkman and Hawkwoman catch on as the most popular superheroes. Uh, yeah. The there would have been, the real characters. Yeah. We would be watching the gritty Hawkman reboot right now. Jeez. Oh, no, you'd have the Hawkman's villain, the Martin Scorsese ripoff of the Hawkman villain movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know who Hawkman's villain would be. That's how that's how little I know who that is. Um oh wait, it, um hold on. Isn't who's the one that has the uh uh the little like scepter thing? The um you know what I'm talking about? That might actually be Hawkman. With hmm. the the spiked kind of stick thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I'm We're thinking of Birdman. I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. I have no clue. I am way more versed into Marvel than DC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So probably for good uh, reason. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, I just wanted to bring that one up really quickly, but uh, moving on, our main topic today is going to be the rest of cartoon world, including Looney Tunes land. What is your relationship with the Looney Tunes? I would watch it when I got sick. Oh, yeah. So when I was uh, like on boomerang, they would oh, do right. midday Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry, and that was mm-hmm. all was on TV uh, weekdays at one PM. So I would I would watch the Looney Tunes, but yeah, I'm 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 pretty familiar with the Looney Tunes. Okay, things good. Like that. Yeah. yeah, I would watch it on Nickelodeon uh, when Nickelodeon got the broadcast right. rights to them. Oh uh, they would air all the time, and really? uh, and then of course I lived in the 1990s, so. The Looney Tunes were everywhere, as we're going to be soon discussing. Uh, so with that said, let's move on to our main topic. Okay, here we are. We're going to talk about the rest of Cartoon World. So as we discussed last time in the early 1990s, Universal was seeking to add a second gate to its Florida property with Cartoon World, also known as Tooniversal Studios. While Universal had Fievel and Woody Woodpecker, they were far more interested in keeping those characters sidelined the Universal Studios. 
while filling the new park with anarchic and wild characters from Warner Brothers Library, providing the perfect antithesis to Walt Disney World's squeaky clean atmosphere. Previously, we mentioned the dark and gritty DC Comics characters and their planned lands and attractions, and now we'll talk about the real golden goose that Universal was after, the Looney Tunes. In the 1990s, Warner Brothers sought to rival Disney as a brand. In 1991, Warner Brothers studio stores and malls across the country opened featuring shirts and apparel with Looney Tunes branding, DC branding, and even WWE logo branding. Now, you're too young to remember these. So before we... Before we continue, you have to explain this to me, right? So the extent to which I know Looney Tunes being mildly popular is uh, reruns that no one I never knew was watching. And then those really cheap boardwalk t-shirts of Tweety Bird with a tattoo. <laughs> so you have to explain to me like, what, how big were the Looney Tunes in the 1990s? Well, uh, let's, let's continue on for a second. Uh, Bugs Bunny, having recently celebrated his 50th birthday, was not even phased by having lost his voice with ML Blank and continued to dominate the company as its mascot alongside Taz, Daffy, Wiley, Coyote, Sylvester, Porky, Foghorn, Leghorn, and Tweety Bird. Steven Spielberg himself kickstarted a line of Saturday morning cartoons with, with its roots in the gang from Termite Terrace as t- with Tiny Toons Adventures, Tasmania, and Animaniacs being among its biggest hits. The 90s were the perfect time to bring the Looney Tunes into major theme parks as a franchise fit, hit p- fever pitch. Reruns were running on Nickelodeon with record high ratings and even on the channel's adult-focused, nostalgic Nick at Night block as the famous tunes appealed to children, their baby boomer parents, and even their grandparents as their presence stretched nearly a lifetime at this point. So really, this is kind of like this huge intersection where instead of... You, if, if you want to watch the Looney Tunes, for the most part, you have to turn on HBO Max and specifically request them. But in the 90s, they were on shows uh, and channels that kids would actively be watching all the time. Not only that, but the Looney Tunes were also aired as Saturday morning cartoon fodder and primetime fodder in the 60s and the 70s, which, of course, baby boomers watched as children and grandparents saw the show the movies the shorts in front of movies in theaters when they were young themselves so right. it was this real cross-generational pool remember that six flags also had the license at this time as well and six flags was reaching its grasp throughout the country and adding those Looney Tunes characters to that. Everywhere you go in the 1990s, the Looney Tunes seemed to be omnipresent, especially as animation started to boom a lot, once again, thanks to Disney and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which of course had that famous scene with Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse. And these Warner Brothers Studio stores uh, these were like a mall staple. Uh, you can see in that photo I have in the show notes there, you have this little rocket called Marvin's Rocket. You would crawl inside it as kids and you would press these like sound effects and cartoon sound effects would start to be made. So again, it's this very, what was retro uh, to baby boomers started to become familiar to uh, young kids. We would soon have Space Jam, which was a big cultural thing, even though it's bad. Uh, It Mm. was still 
of pop <laughs> culture uh, phenom. That kind of gives you an idea of how popular the Looney Tunes were. I know like Taz shirts were really popular. Yeah, because Tasmania was very, was I know it was popular. It was really, really popular, right? The mm-hmm. TV show. Yeah. Um, is, it, it, to that extent, were the other kind of spin-off quote-unquotes also as like mainstream popular tiny tunes and oh tiny tunes and anime and x were huge absolutely huge mm. uh, and they uh would air of course on nickelodeon after that nickelodeon required a license right when it going into reruns and you would see it on nickelodeon so they just kept that train going and nickelodeon's really how i watch tiny tunes a lot like i really love tiny tunes um which We'll talk about it in a in a little bit. So we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin on that, okay? Okay. okay. All right. Uh, it may almost seem improbable, but the Looney Tunes were the real get for Universal. For numerous years, Warner Brothers have been licensing the characters of Six Flags following the acquisition of Six Flags Great America in 1984, similar to Cedar Fair taking the Peanuts license with the purchase of Knott's Berry Farm. Time Warner slowly bought more and more stake in Six Flags, but was ready to relinquish the characters to Universal if the price was right. So let's talk about the unbuilt Looney Tunes land at Cartoon World, shall we? And uh, in the front of this uh, show notes, you saw the giant concept art of this multi-tiered land. Uh, this land was essentially a mini theme park in and of itself with multiple themed sublands. Guests would enter through the iconic Looney Tunes rings as if one were entering into a cartoon. Sort of like Space Jam, except a little bit more tasteful. Uh, per Orlando Park Stop, again, thank you so much to Alicia Stella for this information. Rising in the back of the land with a, a massive set piece themed as the Desert Canyons from the Roadrunner and Wild E. Coyote cartoons. The main attraction here would have been the Coyote Canyon roller coaster, filled with sight gags and failed Acme product explosions around every turn. And one of the uh, sight gags I remember hearing is that the coaster would have launched, but it would have launched as a giant hand, animatronic hand would come out of a box, light a match on fire, light the rocket on fire, which would explode. That's pretty funny. It's not impractical, right? Right. It is. Yeah, it's really neat. (laughs) Another concept called the Duck Dodger Space Adventure would feature Daffy Duck and Marvin the Martian in an indoor roller coaster, similar to something like Space Mountain. A whole slew of dark ride concepts were dreamt up to the land as well. A flying carpet ride using the E.T. Adventure ride system based on the Alibaba Bunny short was one. And once again, you could see more concept art there uh, showing you this entire gigantic land. Uh, per Sam Genoway's Universal versus Disney again, Phil Hedema, the a chief creative in Universal Creative, had a s- slew of great concepts for the land. One of his favorite concepts was the Yosemite Sam's Posse Ride. Inside a Circle Vision Theater would be two-person motion simulators dressed like horses. The horses could pivot 180 degrees. At one point during the show, one of the characters would yell out, They went that away! Suddenly, the movie would screech to a halt, and another character would yell, They went that away! And the horses would turn once again. Another concept was a flume ride themed to the rabbit fire short, which had the infamous wabbit season scene. Now it's duck hunting season. That, sir, is an investigated fabrication. It's wabbit season. 
Duck season. Wabbit season. Duck season. Wabbit season. Duck season. Wabbit season. Wabbit season. Duck season. Wabbit season. I say it's duck season, and I say fire. Again. As guests would float along and encounter F- Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny duking it out. One possible ride took guests through a tour of the Acme factory, and then guests could oversee everything via the Sylvester and Tweety Skyway, where guests would fly overhead in bird cages. Cool concept. Why didn't nobody ever do that? Uh, one proposal not seen in the concept art was an area based on Tiny Toons Adventures for Children. The main icon for this area would be Acme Luniversity, where in the series, Buster, Babs, Plucky, Hampton, and Amira, among others, would attend the school and learn from the main Looney Tunes about how to be a successful cartoon. In one variation, the idea would be merely just play areas and small kitty rides set around the theme of the Luniversity playground with rides such as Plucky Duck's Plane Ride, a Spinner, Dizzy Devil's Whirlwind, Teacups, and a Jetpack Ride, which were swing. The main attraction would take place within the halls of Acme University with Professor Bugs' Law of Animation. Guests would enter a lecture hall and attend a class hosted by Bugs Bunny. Of course, the front of the classroom is a screen and the show would be a special effects filled 4D spectacular. But Universal was also considering a contingency plan if Dr. Seuss didn't fall through, possibly stretching the land into its own Acme Acres Fantasyland archetype. And I'm really sad that they didn't do happy world land from mm-hmm. tiny tunes how i spent my summer vacation wait 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 hold the phone ryan <laughs> there was no plan for happy happy uh, world land no unfortunately you wouldn't be able to ride such amazing attractions as a legendary happy go pukey ride happy feet the gargle the happy crasher pressure fun the happy centrifuge Slap, happy, harmless fun, the stairway to heaven, and of course, the classic bullet train to heck. And you won't be able to see it through the tooth fairy as well. I I want everyone in the audience to know (laughs) that I... Ryan told me to watch that in the movie with Happy I did World not Land. Touch you you said you should watch. You, you I, I, I posted a link to a three-minute clip, and you were like, okay, I'll watch the entire movie. <laughs> this is... I feel like Plucky did. <laughs> I, I I watched the whole movie. I thought that they were. I, I guess I didn't read far enough into the show notes to know that they weren't gonna do that. They didn't do Happy World Land, right? So I if you after the whole movie, if you watch like eighty minutes movie, movie, yeah, and and in this movie, uh, there's a subplot where. Plucky goes with Hampton and his family to the promise that they're going to go to Happy World Land. And it's this incredibly miserable car trip where Plucky runs afoul of a serial killer, of all things. And they finally get there, and he's so happy. They ride the monorail. Uh, There's a song. Happy World Land, Happy World Land, where the fun doesn't stop at only 80 bucks a pop in by the way, in 1992 seems like an exaggeration. Now, it's mm. it's a little different. That's like a bargain. 
Might be cheaper uh, than the actual kids ticket to Happy Worldland today. I like. Uh, there's another lyric. Uh, Welcome to a land where the fun never stops. We have six thrill rides and 400 gift shops. Mm. They predicted uh, Disney's California Adventure before it was made. <laughs> but anyways, they ride. They ride the monorail. They see all the rides, and then they get off and. Whoa! <laughs> that was fun. I'll say. Now let's go home. Okay, Mom. But, 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 but we didn't do anything. All we did was ride around on the monorail. Don't want to overdo it the first visit, Plucky. Think what we'll have to look forward to the next time we come. What? But we didn't. We came all that way. Don't we even ride one pixie's happy old pukey? I cannot believe I sat through that entire movie. <laughs> good. It's really good. It's is a it a direct to DVD movie? It's a direct video. Direct okay. direct to oh, DVD. No. Oh, no. <laughs> this was direct video. DVD did not exist in 1992. That's that I I am I'm in actual I'm in light shock if I'm being completely honest with you. This is like <laughs> I, I I I I sat the whole movie why do the Bugs Bunny and Girl Bugs Bunny, why are they attracted to each other, but they live in the same house and they have the same last... No, no. It's, it's the, he keeps it's kissing the her. Oh, my gosh. It's the joke. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Buster Bunny. I'm uh, Babs Bunny. No relation. That's, like, always the joke that they say, no relation. Okay, right. But, so they, but they are, like, into each other, right? Like, there's, like, a romantic tension thing going on between them. Yeah, I guess there is. But they live in the same house, right? I don't think they live in the same house. Because well, do- doesn't they go down the hole and then the mom's like, don't shoot Babs with the water gun in the house. Well, that's just Buster. outside. That's Buster's mom. So who's Babs' parents? I don't know. I don't even remember if we meet them in the series. I, th- I was, <laughs> It was such an odd experience watching it. Um, <laughs> with being completely divorced of any context. I have no clue. I had I thought that all the baby Looney Tunes. I played the Super Nintendo game for some ah! reason, or the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah. I think um, no, they're, they're being taught by the Looney Tunes, but they're already the Looney Tunes. They're not already the Looney Tunes. What's is their goal to become funny. like Bugs adult funny. Looney yes. Tunes? That's that's the thing. They're being taught how to be cartoon characters. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Okay, that 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 makes more sense. I um I'm 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 still I cannot believe that I watched that I can't believe that they didn't make Happy World Land I that's, I'm voting that's I'm voting joke. early I'm glad they it's didn't a, build it It's a great <laughs> joke I'm uh, it's one of my favorite jokes in all of animation that they just ride the monorail which is really <laughs> funny because this is exactly what I did last April when I went to Retro Light. Magic and I yeah. rode the monorail and I just rode around Epcot and he didn't go in. <laughs> i was like sitting on there it's like the living seas guardian spaceship earth all right that's enough fun <laughs> let's go back to the hotel <laughs> that's the question if they uh if they were in happy if they were in a happy land then they would have had to buy a park ticket right so mm, just how much yeah. money they wasted yeah well that's the thing i mean nowadays they would have gone there and they would have gone to the gates and went sorry sir you don't have a park reservation oh well <laughs> let's go home that's right <laughs> <laughs> forgot to make a reservation so okay. need to start writing the sequel right uh merchandise would be available at the acme outlet and the broken arms hotel if guests were getting hungry they could stop in to foghorn leghorn's barnyard barbecue 
All right. Or Speedy Gonzalez's really fast food, which would have been renamed very soon in the shape of a large sombrero. Very soon. Uh, reflecting on what they had designed. Hedema said the Warner attractions concepts are, that are in the drawer are the best thing anybody has ever seen. But before we go into why it was not built, it's worth exploring the beginnings of what eventually made it into the finished park. In Cartoon World, instead of Toon Lagoon, Jay Ward's characters were restricted to Dudley Do-Right. The land would be called the Northwest Mining Camp, with the log ride titled Dudley Do-Right's Great Northwest Sawmill. Hmm. This may seem familiar, but the attraction was far grander in scale and took log ride to a whole new meaning. Guests would be floating in twin logs throughout the bulk of the flume before encountering a buzzsaw that would literally split them down the middle. The logs Simpsons. were clean. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Except that uh, I don't think like it would literally be split. In the, middle. Uh, <laughs> the logs would careen into the separate drops and go about in different directions. You may recognize the twin falls on current Ripsaw Falls, which was due to the fact that this part of the design was very late in the process being cut. Popeye also had a bigger presence, separating the two distinct areas, Sweet Haven Village and the docks. In Sweet Haven, guests could have a bite at Wimpy's and ride Popeye's Adventure, an idyllic boat ride where guests would watch as Popeye would rescue Olive Oil and Wimpy from the likes of Bluto and other villains on Goon Island. At the docks, guests could ride the Bluto's Bilge Rat Barge's Wild River Ride, the famous rapids ride that we all know today. The Roughhouse Cafe would feature a live dinner theater show inspired by Hoopty Doo at Fort Wilderness, which is it just recently came back and you still haven't done. You got to do it. All right. Look, you know, look at the prices for the tickets. All right, Ryan. <laughs> How much are they? Oh, I meant like just Walt Disney World. Oh, well, you just go to Disney World and you don't have to spend to go to the parks. You just go to Hoopty Doo. Honestly, you might be giving me an idea. That's mm-hmm. actually not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Like Trader Sam's hoopty do. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You you do hoopty do and you cap it off at Trader Sam's. Perfect. That's right. And drive uh, back like fifteen hours. That's- <laughs> Sailors would de- sing, dance, and use spare boat parts to play instruments with and do acrobatics. You can see the concept art for this incredible show here. Uh, per Josh Young from Theme Park University, the host of the show would have been a salty sea dog who sailed into the harbor many years ago and had never left. Since his time there, he has seen some amazing performers come and go, so he was bringing him back to perform just for you. The show would also feature live musicians and can-can dancers just to keep the momentum going between variety acts. Much like the story of Davy Crockett, which has always been a hit at hoop doo this dinner theater would have its own audience participation sketch called The Ballad of Popeye the Sailor Man. This is also very similar to Pecos Bill from the Golden Horseshoe Review, which hoop doo is also based on. A younger and preferably bald man pulled from the crowd and given a sailor's hat to portray the role of Popeye, while Portland your gentleman would be asked to represent Bluto. A lanky young lady would, with short hair would play olive oil. And an adorable four or five-year-old would get cast as Sweet Pea. Just like the Davy Crockett sketch, the actors would keep things moving and all would be played for laughs. The finale of the show would have featured a dance competition where everyone from the can-can dancers to the actors and even acrobats get into the act by completely surrounding the audience with performers. In the final number, dancers would have danced in place on spinning kegs that would have sprayed the audience with water. Not beer? Oh. 
<laughs> in addition, there were additional ideas such as a Mighty Mouse stage show. Who cares? A Mr. Magoo pumper car ride. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and even bringing over the idea for a Casper the Friendly Ghost Dark Ride that was being eyed for Universal Studios. More on that attraction on a later episode. Same with the Dr. Seuss Land's unbuilt attractions and featuring one uh, with a certain green Christmas hater. Hmm. At one point, there was even a flirtation on using Hanna-Barbera characters similar to the Fantastic World Simulator attraction in the studios, which they still obtain the rights for. So what are your thoughts on all those ideas? I mean, there's a lot of them, right? And and they're... they're... My first thoughts are like, what, what, what is the staying power of all this? I think that we, we talked about before, even if these things, you know, fade into the background, uh, if this seems like it would have taken a big, pretty big part of what would eventually become Islands of Adventure, especially because the, uh, you know, the Dr. Seuss stuff was left potentially, uh, open for a even greater Acme, what was it called? Acme. Oh, I just watched the movie. What's Acme the name of the university? Town? No, no, no. It was the uh, the the name of the the town. Oh, Acme it? Acres. Acme Thank Acres. you, Acme Acres. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I think I I they all seem like they're really vibrant and colorful. It's almost like if they had devoted an entire uh, entire park to Toontown in uh, Disneyland, uh, just with a lot more to do. Uh, yeah. Do any of these particularly scream out to you as like things that you would have you're disappointed that didn't uh, at least get a shot at opening? I really like the idea of a Bugs Bunny 40 attraction all about animation. That's a great idea. I like the idea of a Skyway that's bird cages. That's really cute. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Some of the other concepts kind of seem like they could have been good, mm-hmm. could have not. It really depends on the execution. But- what do you think about the Popeye one? That's the one that that, that, that one caught my eye because it does seem like a – a an odd idea to do a whole dinner theater themed around Popeye. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. Uh, if it's good enough, I think it would have survived the fact that nobody cares about Popeye in the so. year twenty twenty two. Yeah, uh, I maybe, guess so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, the the reason why people do Hoopsie Do is, I think, for no reason, Davy Crockett. Right? That couldn't possibly be. No, the reason why is because it's a good show. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I mean, all of this and the chicken. I, well, that you know that too. So you're really enticing me to go, aren't you? Mm. Um, I do think that a lot of these, uh, uh, a lot of the ideas are, are certainly they're really in line with what would make a Looney Tunes ride a Looney Tunes ride mm-hmm. in the in the earlier part, of course. Right. The, uh, the 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 Looney Tunes ones, the the sight gags, like you're saying, uh, being super imaginative and and filled with with character. They they it I it's one. This is one of those cases where I, I have a hard time saying. It wouldn't be a good idea, you know, because in a world where you're not targeting the latest commodity, right? I guess maybe at the time they were, but nowadays, mm-hmm. even nowadays, I think Looney Tunes would have a place in most theme parks just because of how universal, pun intended, uh, the <laughs> brand is. Well, they're still in Six Flags parks. Well, that's right, but they're they're in Six Flags parks. Obviously, the theming is much thinner. No, they're they're and they're, they're all in like the um, the kitty areas. Right. So it's like a Looney Tunes Boomtown, Looney Tunes Movie Town, and they would just be like a ride where you put Sylvester on top of a tower, and mm-hmm. it's a Tweety Bird. It's like a frog hopper, and 
you're bouncing and pouncing and stuff like that. I think it's what even called Sylvester and Tweety's bounce and pounce or something like that. Well, right. So yeah, it's it's nothing as themed as something that would be found here at Cartoon World. It's interesting you should say that. There is a ride at Warner Brothers Movie World in Abu Dhabi mm-hmm. called Fast and Furious, and it's not. For the record, it's not because of the Fast and Furious movie franchise, because that's actually the title of the first Roadrunner cartoon. The first Roadrunner cartoon is called Fast and Furious, with Fury huh. being spelled F-U-R-R-Y dash I-U-S. Fast and Furious. Yeah, exactly. That's actually a true fact. And it is a launched coaster where you are on a suspended train and you're attached to a rocket. So very similar to that idea that mm. we spoke about. Right. Where you're going through a canyon and it's themed to Roadrunner. Uh, it's very similar to that idea. There's no animatronic arm or any crazy thing like that. In Six Flags Magic Mountain, they took a Vekoma Junior coaster and they themed it to uh, Roadrunner. And it is a piece of garbage <laughs> uh, because it looks really cheap. And that said, that is kind of the difference that we are talking about here. There are degrees. And I think I think that Universal would have taken it to the nth degree, right. to the best degree that it could have been. So once again, if you look at that, like if you just pull it up, Six Flags, Magic Mountain, Roadrunner Express, you will actually see this. It has some very, very light theming props, but uh, it is pretty, pretty basic. And you're on these like roller skates that are themed to like Acme power skates or something like that. So it has this light theme, but not by much. And the fact is, is that we could have gotten something so much grander than this. And that is that is the unfortunate end to all of this is that the Looney Tunes, I believe, deserve more. And this could have given them more. Right. No, absolutely. You're, when you talk about like the extent to which things are, when you talk about the extent to which things are themed and things are designed and the 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 detail uh, that you put into it, something like the attractions that are there now, they capture the Looney Tunes in in name, perhaps, mm-hmm. and maybe in something like color and picture. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a a certain charm and characteristic to the Looney Tunes that is completely absent there. And in this, you would have gotten not only, you know, the character representation, but a feeling that is pretty close to how the shorts are run. Um, Tongue in cheek, uh, self-referential, very meta, right? something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that these, all of these rides, even uh, some of them, of course, are much smaller, more down to earth. Um, But the Looney Tunes ones are, I think, pretty respectable in terms of what they would have done uh obviously they still are completely fine with you know doing the uh cheap <laughs> foghorn leghorns barbecue or something like that right <laughs> you can't, can't escape all that stuff but it, it it as someone who didn't grow up with the looney tunes like you did i can only imagine uh how much of a missed potential all of the rides that are currently open are just mm-hmm. because of how bland they are so yeah i i i this does seem like it was a lot of missed opportunity and missed potential to to not go through with it. Let's get into why it was not built. The proposals theme seemed fantastic, but it was a battle of money that sunk the initial pitch for the park. 
Lou mm-hmm. Wasserman and Sid Scheinberg were in Universal's corner, with Terry Simiel and Bob Daly in Warner's corner, and they played hardball. MCA first wanted a 6% royalty, but the Warners wanted 10%. Eventually, this whittled down to two points. MCA with 6%, Warners with 8%. Scheinberg badly wanted 7% to feel like a victor, but Jay Stein, who was leading the design of this project, nearly called Steven Spielberg to coo Warners down to 7%, yet was blocked against it since he was too busy working on Jurassic Park. Hmm. The death knell came when the Warners agreed to 7%, but asked for an upfront of $40 million, even if the project fell through. Furious, Scheinberg killed the deal, and uh, cover your ears, kids in the audience, by telling Semmel in December of 1993, we don't need your fucking characters. (laughs) Cartoon World was dead. Originally, the park was being eyed for a 1997 and 1998 opening, but after a brief shelving of the project in 1994, things were revived and put into full steam in 1995. A J. Ward license had already been acquired, and Spielberg was able to convince Audrey Geisel, Dr. Seuss's widow, to license her late husband's character to Universal. Uh, A Jurassic Park ride for Universal Studios was removed from plans and put to anchor in the second gate. King Features Syndicate's license for Popeye and other comic characters were also quickly and cheaply absorbed. As Jay, Phil, and the crew cobbled together the Jay Ward, Popeye, and comic strip lane ideas into one entire land. Remember, comic strip lane, that was actually going to be the main street for Cartoon World. A universal monster's land was briefly considered before choosing to create an original land based on myths and legends called the Lost Continent. Finally, they were able to revive their hopes for a superhero-themed land by approaching Marvel Entertainment, which was going through a rough financial period. The result was a still unheard of deal for theme park rights in perpetuity. That's right, forever. The now-titled Universal's Islands of Adventure was announced in May of 1997 for an opening in two years' time as construction had quietly already started to remake the theme park into a full resort. While animation still had a presence in the park, it was no longer the main focus as it switched to exploration motifs and setting sail to different ports of call. Meanwhile, Time Warner was infuriated by Scheinberg and Universal, deciding to go full steam ahead into the theme park business by purchasing a majority stake in Six Flags. This lasted all of two years. When ni- In 1995, Time Warner sold 51% of Six Flags to an investment firm to offload debt uh, for $200 million and shifting $100 million of debt onto Six Flags, which of course eventually led to Six Flags bankruptcy in 2004. This is... <laughs> Doing business out of spite is never a good idea. (laughs) However, as part of a split, an agreement was made to retain the licensing in the Looney Tunes and DC Comics characters where they currently remain in the United States. Overseas, Warner Brothers licensed their namesake and properties to a variety of theme parks. One is owned by Village Roadshow in Australia called Warner Brothers Movie World. There was another one called Warner Brothers Movie World in Germany that included an absolutely bonkers dark ride featuring Alf facing a lot it was in a dark ride featuring Alf facing off against the gremlins. Is that true? <laughs> yes, that, that existed. Wow. And it, it currently, uh, once again, a fantastic indoor theme park called Warner Brothers World in Abu Dhabi, owned by Mural Asset 
management and designed by the incredibly talented folks at Thinkwell Group. Whilst most Six Flags have a stale and half-hearted understanding of how they incorporate the Looney Tunes and DC characters, such as putting the characters bolstered onto a roller coaster, the Abu Dhabi Park is the closest we will ever get to seeing these grandiose universal ideas incorporated for these properties. So we have to ask, what if? What if Universal and Warner Brothers came to an agreement? Uh, would Looney Tunes land fair nowadays? Even the WB brand itself. And uh, finally, would LeBron James see entry into the land eventually? <laughs> Michael Jordan would. Michael Jordan. Okay. Sure. <laughs> you don't think so? It's your. I don't know. It's up yeah. to you. Uh, so I think. <sighs> hmm. This is always the part where I got to put on my thinking cap. I can't mm-hmm. just. One thing that's definitely true that after doing this whole little dissection on Islands of Adventure is that it seems like the constraints that came from not nailing, you know, the very easy or the the planned out uh, theme park plans with the intellectual Mm -hmm. properties that they didn't own might have like allowed them to do something with much bigger, greater freedom and create like a the diversity in properties that Islands of Adventure has today. You know, let's say, I guess, right, that everything that we've talked about makes it through. Jurassic Park doesn't make it in, right? Neither does the the seemingly the, the basis of what is Islands of Adventure now, Yeah, um, the lost uh, continent. You know, I, I think strictly for saying that looking at comparatively to what's there in Islands of Adventure now, I don't, I don't think it would have been, uh, I, I think it, you could mar- make the argument that this would have created like a super homogenous park. On the other hand, though, on the other hand, some of the ideas are un- are inarguably uh, very, very neat, very well thought out and could have really cemented the Looney Tunes into the next generation, which arguably they are not still popular. Uh, I guess that's up for a debate, right? They're iconic, but are they still, you know, they're on the pulse of pop culture? Uh, I don't think right. so. Uh, and you really have to think about last year we had Space Jam 2. Right. And regardless, okay, regardless, Space Jam 2, awful movie. Uh, everybody mostly talked about how product placement it was for its own company. Right. And the question really is did it help reintroduce the Looney Tunes? I don't know so much about that. I think that Bugs Bunny is still a pretty popular character, but I don't think he has the same cachet as mickey mouse currently does have well i think bugs bunny is popular mickey mouse is popular nowadays because he appeals to two groups right he appeals to older people because they know who mickey mouse is but he's mickey mouse still has a standing in in younger cartoons for for children Mm -hmm. um disney world as mickey mouse marketed like crazy uh so he's a he's a popular character for kids a little bit older than toddlers right Mm -hmm. if you are on disney channel you watch the new Mickey cartoons, the the Paul Rudish or ones. You, you see, like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, the one for children. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But M- Bugs Bunny still probably has a grip on the the older audience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones who grew up in your generation uh, or older. Uh, <laughs> I think that for very young people, there has been very little Looney Tunes that actually has you know, meshed into general public interest. And to make matters worse, I think not only did the second Space Jam not reinvigorate the uh, Looney Tunes, but most people probably watch it out of nostalgia, not for the characters, but for the original movie. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It was more of a callback. It was more of a resurgence of the Space Jam property 
which is is just to say it's a resurgence of the cartoon basketball movie genre, right? Um, right. It just it's just the movie itself, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that the the toughest thing is you look at what is currently successful in Islands of Adventure today, is the uh, what's still left, of course, is the the Marvel stuff is is super successful, the rides, mm-hmm. and Jurassic the Jurassic Park ride is I would say another success. Yeah. Um, the Kong ride, the Harry Potter stuff, and then what's left of the Lost Continent. Um, and I don't know, I don't know. Would you would you put say as well that uh, Doctor Seuss's stuff is still popular with guests, like super popular, or is it? Wait, what do you, you mean, like with guests or overall? Let's uh, let's say let's just say with guests. Hmm. With guests, because I guess my my point is going to end up being that the 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 current comic cartoon area i would say is is the least least update or least oh um, you mean the, the culturally Lagoon. relevant yeah yeah because, Lagoon, yes. because nobody reads newspaper comics anymore right that's right nobody reads newspaper comics anymore and it's a sign of how you can take these characters who are i would argue like you there's a generation of people who wouldn't understand you not knowing who the newspaper characters are mm-hmm. um but they're they're at for most people it's a head scratcher to ask right. who Dudley Do-Right is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I think, you know, the, the question that is the most fascinating to me is if this was built, would you see the Looney Tunes slip into antiquity as they are today where they're still famous, but they're famous when you go to an antique store and find a Bugs Bunny cup, right? And, and less for any new thing that actually has Looney Tunes on them. Oh, that's a great question. That that is a great question because you have to think about the idea that the Looney Tunes being in Universal, what would that have done? Mm-hmm. Really yeah. think about that. Yeah. Because okay, would they get the rights to the Looney Tunes just in the United States? Uh, would they get the rights to them to use in Universal Studios Hollywood? What would happen to them in Six Flags? Would of Warners have eventually reached an agreement where Six Flags could keep the rights or would mm. they lose the rights? That's the real question. What is more important for the popularity of the Looney Tunes themselves? Is it being in theme parks stretched across the country with mediocre attractions in Six Flags theme parks or being located specifically in Universal Studios in Florida with really, really highly themed, well done attractions. Well, that's see, maybe maybe that could be a good point because I guess Toon Lagoon isn't highly themed, well done, so it's hard to draw mm-hmm. a comparison. But Toon Lagoon didn't save those characters, correct? Right. You know, there's a there's a even the, frankly there might be a more like salient issue where even the what Pete Brown Gartner was his name right who did the who's doing the new Looney Tunes cartoons. I know it's the Uncle Grandpa guy. Yeah, I can't remember what his name is. Um, (laughs) And I I quite like them, to be honest with you. I think that they're pretty... I I enjoy how absurd it is, even if a lot of them are uh, sometimes feel very similar to another premise from an older cartoon. Mm. Um, But I I do think that, like, you know, just that alone, just like the Paul Rudish cartoons alone... Peter Browngard, by the way, is his name. Peter Browngard? Yeah. Yeah. That's the basically the last bit of a, a a a heartbeat right on the looney tunes brand i would say because there's nothing else coming out back in action might have tanked their opportunity to make big budget movies yeah um, well i mean again they made space jam but that's only because of the 
you know, well, was was it Space Jam because Looney Tunes were popular? Or was Space it's Jam Space Jam because Space Jam? Yeah, right. Right. It's a conduit for kids, mm-hmm. '90s kids. They know what Space Jam is. Um, right. Yeah, I, I, I strictly for saying like, would the Looney Tunes be popular today with the advent or with the implementation of this themed area? I don't think I would be able to answer that. I wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But what do you think? Do you think that this let's let's hypothetically say this one, right? As the the Tiny Toons fan, let's say they did build Acme University. Uh, that was not one of the plans that got cut. Luniversity. Luniversity. Did I say what did I say? University. You said oh, university okay. like you're in Canada. You know, in fairness, the movie I did think was uh, I thought it would would have been funny if they called it Tuniversity, but I I realized that that's probably funny thing. Stupid. They're actually making a well, I mean they're supposedly working on it a reboot of the uh, the show uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, but it's actually called Tiny Toons Luniversity. But unlike the Animaniacs reboot, this is like an aged up version where mm-hmm. they're in college. Oh. Yeah, the Animaniacs reboot is not good. I do really? not like it. Okay, I didn't see it. Uh, it did. I've never seen the Animaniacs actually uh, more than a couple episodes and the Super Nintendo game. Well, so I think you know. Do you think that uh, like without? I know it's hard to say, but do you think that this could have like revitalized the Looney Tunes brand, or had they kept the Tiny Tunes stuff? You know, would it be as popular? Would it be as weird as the Gadget Go Coaster in this day and age? <laughs> oh, I think the Gadget Go Coaster, again, we, we just talked about Six Flags Magic Mountain having that Vacoma Junior Coaster of the Roadrunner Express. That's on the same level as Gadget Go Coaster. I think this is totally different. These are elaborate attractions. Uh, the question is, is whether or not this was going to open in 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, a good 23 years, 23, 24 years later, would this still be standing? I I think so. I mean, Islands of Adventure is still standing, but right. uh, of course, you know, later on we get uh, Warner Brothers actually making a deal with Universal. Like twenty uh, some years later, I mean, it's, it's entirely new management, and all the bad blood is behind them, and they yeah. do do Harry Potter. Now, Harry Potter, that's not a cartoon, so I don't think it would have fit in cartoon world. But, I mean, I think priorities might have changed. And there's the fact that new cartoons come out all the time. So even though Islands of Adventure is more flexible in its Mm -hmm. theme, because, I mean, you could do whatever the hell you want with it. There is also the important fact that with Cartoon World, you can have the entire changing face of animation. Okay? So... Well, obviously, yeah, but- you can't use Disney cartoons, obviously. That's something you won't be able to ever do. We're, we're walking into a dangerous corner here, Ryan. You I know. <laughs> cartoon I know. world was a thing. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but we follow on this track where Warner Brothers in the 90s makes an all 24-hour cartoon channel, which becomes a major competitor to Nickelodeon. Now, Nickelodeon, of course, is in Universal Studios. And eventually they lose the rights to Nickelodeon and that reverts back to Viacom. If they had to deal with Warner Brothers to use their properties and Cartoon Network becomes a thing, what happens then? Like, do they have access to cartoon cartoons like Dexter's Laboratory or eventually Adventure Time, regular show, Steven Universe? Do they do something with that? 
Uh, what about all the myriad of other cartoon properties that eventually come out? That's a great question. Like, what what else could they have done with a cartoon world concept? I'm uh, with all these disparate animations in there. <laughs> what what if in this alternate universe, Quest for Camelot was a success, or hell, the Iron Giant, which was Warner Brothers? Would we have an Iron Giant ride? And, you know, that's always something that could be considered of something that would, like, threaten the Looney Tunes presence. So I, I don't think they would have eliminated it completely. Warner Brothers, if they were to force to be reckoned with, could have seen additional expansion in these times and seen this giant Looney Tunes land, which was really a mini to- Looney Tunes theme park, being eaten away at. You know, I like your optimism on the Cartoon Network thing. Maybe that they would have done that. But really? if, I, if I can introduce what my fear was, and I can, I, I would put money. Like if we could go to alternate universes, okay, go to right. alternate universe where Cartoon Land is a thing. Uh-huh. Just close your eyes and you think what cartoons have been successful for Universal in the past ten years? Okay, and then you start saying what funny little yellow creatures. Hello. Definitely would be fifty percent <laughs> of Cartoon Land. Hello. I know where you're going with this. I yeah. just wanted to bring up what would happen if Warner Brothers were ruling the roost. And the thing right. is, is that I didn't really consider, well, Illumination would still be a thing. Uh, that's a maybe, great maybe point. Maybe live in the that good future great... where Universal doesn't, o- or Illumination doesn't open, right? Maybe that, is a great, that is a great point that uh, we would have to deal with the Looney Tunes being evicted by uh, the Minions. Minions. Yes, or, or I think, okay, like, uh, yeah, if, if if Universal was sitting today on a cartoon world, a whole theme park devoted to cartoons, mm-hmm. I, I, every, I think every single uh, Illumination movie would be represented in some way, just because of how financially successful they are. You know, I, but it, I think it would be incredibly fascinating to see, like, let's say, you know, uh, what's it? Sorry. Let's say that Warner Brothers does hold on to the keys, right? And they're like, okay, well, good. We have Secret Mountain Fort Awesome. And well, that's it. That's the only cartoon you'd ever need to put, right? Mm-hmm. Do you, you, have you ever heard of Secret Mountain Fort Awesome? Uh, no. Oh, it's uh, okay. Well, it's garbage. It's this show on Cartoon Network that's absolute garbage. Uh, oh, okay. It was actually it was by the guy who did Uncle Grandpa. Oh, lovely. Sorry, Pete. Um, <laughs> anyways, so the principle being like, let's say you do a cartoon world. And you have these deeply themed Looney Tunes attractions. Mm-hmm. You know, how many of them would become Minions rides? <laughs> <laughs> the Minions going through a canyon. Here's the Minion cages. <laughs> I, would you? The would Minions you like go to the moon. That it just actually does that happen. Actually, that does yeah. happen. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> yeah. If, if, in fact, honestly, now that you say it, the Duck Dodgers ride would definitely just become the Minions moon right yeah the guru goes yeah yeah so so you know is is it worth the risk uh is it worth the risk i think you know the the possibility of doing cartoons uh so right now warner brothers owns or i guess through universal right i know there's talks of like a resplit i'm i don't know if you've heard about this that the company might split down the middle and what's on hbo max might not be our HBO might split off from Warner Brothers, might split off from everything just because it's well, so expensive. Well, they're doing Warner Brothers Discovery right now. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Wait, so actually, so this is important to what I was going to say. Does Warner Brothers own HBO Max still or no? Uh, yes, they do. Uh, AT&T okay. split 
uh, Warner Brothers off and now is merging with Discovery to become Warner Brothers Discovery. Oh, okay. So they're merging mm-hmm. Warner Brothers and Discovery. So AT&T is the one that no longer has the hold on. Correct. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. I think in, in that case, what does what properties does Warner Brothers have cartoon-wise right now that might be attractive to something like this? Ah, okay. I see what you're saying. Now, I do think that Adventure Time is somehow still like... Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's got a much. merchandise, you know, machine mm-hmm. at the moment. So I, I would have to say that, I mean, again, they are they are really still pushing the Looney Tunes. I mean, you can argue their, you know, current pop cultural cachet, but like they're still pushing it very, very much so. Right. And if you go to HBO Max and you oh, that's right. type in right. animation, you know, yes, you're going to get south park but you're going to get dc and you're going to get the looney tunes and adventure time as well so pretty much that oh and tom and jerry they also have Hanna barbera license so hmm. i mean you would have scooby-doo you would have flintstones right you have flintstones tom and jerry so they could uh, like i briefly mentioned that that you know they could have used those properties and you know you have to remember that universal put out the Flintstones movie, the live action one in 1994. And mm. there was a slew of some Flintstones attractions, not very big, like a show, it was a show, but, right. uh, you know, they could do something like that. The Abu Dhabi park also has Tom and Jerry rides, Scooby-Doo, dark ride, a, a Flintstones boat ride. So those are also possible properties. Now, of course, again, it's up to you whether or not these are, a big deal or not right uh, yeah i'm currently on hbo max and I, I completely blanked on this uh but there is a special like uh they, they separate everything into like little families of content yeah uh, on the on the left hand side and looney tunes is one of those brackets yes. so perhaps yeah perhaps looney tunes just by staying power would still be uh, a massive part of the area i do wonder if it would have gotten smaller though uh, I've even shrunk. I mean, that's yeah, just, that's just a giant portion. I mean, I know right. they were so big in the nineties, but eventually they would have been like, well, it's kind of faltering popularity. now." Well, it's the same thing as pre uh, pre runaway railway Toontown, right? Mm-hmm. Where it, you don't, it, the, the, the people who are going to appeal to it nowadays, the, uh, are, are the people who are the, uh, Sorry, the idea of Mickey Mouse in like the '90s, like Disney cartoons mm-hmm. that were greater than the cinema, uh, you yeah. know, whether it be Chip and Dale and et cetera and so forth. Right, because you had the Disney Afternoon. And- exactly, and you see all of those rides are going to get pulled, but the area is still going to be there because Mickey Mouse is still a cultural mainstay. Mm-hmm. You might see the, uh, you might see it get smaller in the case of the Looney Tunes, just because without Tiny Tunes, without Animaniacs, uh, without Tasmania, without that duck Dodgers TV show that I think people probably watched. Um, they, they, there probably isn't very much of a general pulse on the mainstream culture for Looney Tunes, but of course, iconic as they are, they it would likely be around in some form, probably the bigger rides. Maybe that 40 movie would change to be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but maybe some of the attractions uh, here and there would, would stick around just because, you know, what else are you going to do? Yeah, no, I agree. I absolutely agree. And I mean that that's kind of the thing with um with this whole idea of Universal really not owning these properties. Again, they do have Harry Potter, which they're really like chained to, but mm. uh there is also the fact that Universal could do really whatever the hell they want for the most part in Universal Studios 
Florida besides Harry Potter. Islands of Adventure less so. Like I feel like Marvel is kind of a blessing and a curse for them because mm. they can't update it, but they have to keep it semi-relevant and they have to keep it. Because if they lose it, Disney gets a huge advantage. Right. So they're, so they're chained to that. The Toon Lagoon stuff is just so hysterical that it still exists. It looks pretty messy too. And I think, I think, if, yeah, I think if, um, if the Popeye area, if I had like that dinner theater show, I mm. think that would have been a bigger deal. I think the Rapids ride is great, but the dinner theater show that would have elevated it. Yeah. I would. So do you think, uh, hmm. Cause I know that like the hoop do is like kind of a, a mainstay at the wilderness lodge, but it's also benefited by being in an area that is almost totally defined by that kind of experience. Right. Like it slots right in. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope to do. I wonder if it would slot as well into a Popeye area hmm. just because the feeling like that one might have entering that area could be very much like going on the rides, you know, thrill rides, perhaps the hoopty do is notably in an area that feels very natural to have a dinner show. Mm-hmm. And especially yeah. even in Disney world, right. Or Disney. No, you're, the, you're, no you have show. a point, you have a point and it's not in the middle of the theme park. Right. Uh, which people, you know, don't necessarily. Do they have any dinner theater shows within a Disney theme park? Uh, at so. the moment? At the moment? I mean, right. they used so, to have one in Disneyland, which was Aladdin's Oasis. Which right. Previously was the Tahitian Terrace. I can't um, think of anything currently. Can you? No, because because Golden Horseshoe doesn't do shows anymore. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, that's more of a like this. A dinner theater is like really like what they're insisting on is you sit down, you make and a full the show. Yeah, thing. the full ticketed thing, right? right. Um, I don't think so. I I can't imagine, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. running through my head anywhere you can eat that has entertainment, and it's all that kind of you know twenty minutes in they'll do something and then they'll get off and then do something again and something like that. But there's no real full narrative dinner theater show, I think inside a Disney park at the moment. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. So it, it is a, it's a unique concept. I think it would have been popular if they were able to make it work, but otherwise, mm. yeah, eh, it's not a big deal. One of my favorite things here is uh, the Mr. Magoo's bumper car ride. A, a lot of these attractions would have eventually have been written <laughs> out just be, not being politically correct. Um, because, <laughs> Uh, making fun of the blind is, is such a funny idea and using bumper cars though that's 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 unfortunately such a weird dark joke <laughs> oh it, it's good to fun would, expense would, of the blind would, would, all of the jokes they, will be uh, they written have blindfolded up. every guest that's right yeah so they'll blindfold every guest and they'll give everyone a little coat and a top hat and a cane mm-hmm. and swing yeah. around I think, uh, you know, well, one thing I will say, and we often turn towards the, is this possibly profitable idea? And uh, I, I maybe I should be more apprehensive about doing that myself because I lean on that a lot. But in fairness, like, let's say that Epic Universe does open as everybody thinks it will. The Universal Monsters area is a confusing one, uh, but it's a, it's a pleasant surprise, right? Because um, mm-hmm. I don't think the Universal Monsters, aside from the the long staying power of people of Dracula, Frankenstein of the invisible man. Uh, Mm. Those are no longer properties that are receiving new films that anyone cares about. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so maybe, maybe this could sustain on its own. You know, clearly if universal feels that they can do Frankenstein by himself, then bugs bunny is perfectly fine. Right. True. True. Um, That's, that's a great point. I mean, again, it's like, depends on 
depends on the execution, as always. As always, it depends on the execution, and it depends on how these attractions live on uh, through the ages as being seen as untouchable. I mean, really, uh, like, who cares about E.T. in the year 2022? But get rid of its attraction. Hey, okay. Get rid of its attraction, and people are going to be upset. They're bringing E.T. to IMAX. All the, oh, all the that's fans right. Are the I forgot that they are bringing it back. Is that the Steven Spielberg uh, re- redone one, the 2002 one, or is it the original? They put three guns in the hands of the cops now. <laughs> A compromise, that's I see. Right. No, actually, I'm not sure. I think that it is the, I think it's the Steven Spielberg redone one. I can't imagine they're going to do it. They're going to release the original cut of the film. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Yeah, during Jurassic Park 2, I think. Oh, no, it's Jaws. That's what it Jaws, is. Jaws, yeah. Jaws yeah. is going back to theaters. Yeah. I think, I mean, the, these, the way that Warner Brothers, Universal, et cetera, all these different groups have a touch on their older stuff is pretty, compared to something like Disney, pretty good um, to re-release movies and stuff like that. So maybe maybe this isn't the worst idea to do to do looney tunes mm-hmm. um i because I, because people tend to just go on what's presented to them if it's good right like let's look at the new kong series you have kong skull island which i think is fantastic yes godzilla versus kong which is absolutely horrible oh really i thought it was okay you know, I have uh, I have this weird thing where I'm hopelessly obsessed with Godzilla, but I hate every Godzilla movie. <laughs> it's like the other thing where I'm obsessed with theme parks and I hate every theme park. Uh, so. <laughs> but the the new I uh, then you know the 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 new Godzilla versus Kong uh, as like as I really like the stylization of Kong Skull Island, right? And the Godzilla versus Kong is stupid. <laughs> And it has like it, it. I don't love most of the new Godzilla movies, but the the at the very least, those two movies did well enough. But not if I remember correctly, they didn't do Gangbusters. The uh, Godzilla Skull Island did all right, and Godzilla versus Kong was released in that really really weird yes. period where HBO Max was putting out the movies alongside the films. That's right. So, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, it didn't do great in theaters, but it was n- also set up to fail, basically. So, right. But it did well enough on HBO Max that it's getting a sequel. Oh, my God. Really? Oh, yeah. Wait, it's getting a sequel, Godzilla vs. Kong? Or it's yes, getting like correct. the... Okay. Um, anyways. <laughs> uh, you know, so... so, But it's funny, though, that the Islands of Adventure ride is, I think, technically a mishmash of the scene and name and locales from the skull island but very clearly the video is from the 2006 peter jackson film. yeah yeah right well it's it's supposed to be um half original half based on the peter jackson version right um so it's like a sort of a both and both i i think that the skull island reign of kong attraction is so interesting because there's just a couple more fixes i would make but it's has a really cool idea of trying to put you into an adventure movie it's right. a really cool idea, but it, there's still a couple things it needs to do a little bit better. Yes. L- yeah, absolutely. Well, the ride itself, I think, is pretty the, the worst part, um, which is funny because the actual like core uh, ride when you're in the screens, I think, is pretty mm-hmm. messy. OK. Um, you know, the, the queue is great. The animatronic is great. The outside parts neat. But when you're actually doing the rip from the Hollywood tram ride tour, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the messy part. But but my, I guess my point is is that that's a movie from 2006 that received a new ride. I guess it was relatively recently. I think we were doing mm-hmm. the last it's, show when that came out. 20, right? 2016. It was right. when it came out. So that's only that was 10 years later or so from the mm-hmm. from the movie um, on a property that you I wouldn't say I would say King Kong is iconic, but King Kong isn't necessarily still kicking. Mm-hmm. Um, despite what the Godzilla movie might want you to believe. Right. Uh, I think, you know, in, with that regard, if they had done these attractions really well, uh, they probably would have lasted right up until the Minions movie came out. Mm-hmm. No, you're and right. Then, then they'd be closed. <laughs> 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 you go see when Rise of Gru ultimately becomes the highest grossing movie oh, ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they have like a special like trailer in front of Jurassic World for the Minions. Is it the movie. one where they're in the and movie theater? No, it's there. It's literally one of the Minions like trying to get one of the T-Rexes. And you, it's so funny because the entire little short has them like shouting on a rooftop towards the dinosaurs and you pan out and it's a bunch of dinosaurs in a city. <laughs> What's so funny, it's like, this is more of what people want from Jurassic World Dominion than Jurassic World Dominion itself. And it's a fucking minion short. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's also, one thing I noticed was the children in the theater who did not make a sound except for during Jurassic World were cackling at that. And God, do I want to be a child and just go in the brain where I watch uh, a minion going banana and I'm like, ha ha, he's funny. That's that's me. That's me in the theater. So my it's big, in the theater. My big large AMC popcorn mm-hmm. for $850 and my big <laughs> soda. I see the minions and I, I laugh. I know a couple of people. Actually, that recently happened to me. I got into a conversation where somebody was, I mentioned that the minions are silly and kind of dumb. And they were like, what? I love the minions. I love them. They're so cute. It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> minions are just, people just do like the minions. Mm-hmm. Even though the trailers, they have a billion of them and they show the entire movie and every single joke and they still see the movie. That's so sad that the Minions movie is going to get make like 850,000 times the box office of the Bob's Burgers movie, <laughs> know, right? which was like $2. <laughs> That's the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so so with <laughs> with regard to the, the cartoon world, um, ignoring the impending Minions apocalypse that would shut down <laughs> all of the Looney Tunes things. Don't forget Sing. Oh, that's what would happen yeah, to the Popeye. Would be there. That's what would happen to the Popeye dinner show. Oh. It would become Sing. You're right. That's just exactly what exactly. They even, oh. they even have a Sing live on tour show in Japan, and it's horrifying if you want to see it and have <laughs> nightmares look up seeing live on tour and i believe it's either in singapore or japan it's in one of those uh universal parks and it's horrifying do you you would i would pay big money to go see seth mcfarland mouse sing my way before he gets uh, crushed <laughs> by the gorilla ew that is horrifying yeah oh okay so you're looking at it i pulled yeah, up a picture pretty, of the costume it's pretty, it's so, pretty yeah. scary yeah they, they're so devoid. The, I, believe, the, I believe the move, scary. the mouse move as well. Do they really? 
Yeah, they do. It's Beijing. It's Universal Studios Beijing. Oh, it's Beijing. Okay, all right. Um, But I, I... that's absolutely the case. I think you're hundred percent right. Actually, in the event that like Disney ever like puts up a real bid for Marvel and Universal takes it, I can imagine that'll just become an illumination land anyways. <laughs> well, they're already adding a new minions attraction to where Shrek 4D was. It's gonna be like this weird thing where you stand on a conveyor belt with like a blaster guns and play games. So it's like Toy Story Mania, but you're not in a vehicle, you're just standing there on a conveyor belt. You know, I um I remember reading about the Jimmy Fallon ride and hearing that it was awful and being like, yeah, it's probably pretty bad. And then I went on it anyways and left thinking it was one of the worst experiences <laughs> I've ever had in my entire life. So I, I think that's probably about where that Minions ride will be. You didn't uh, laugh at the guy with the tight pants and hashtag the panda? The panda, hashtag the panda. They're selling the costume for like 50 bucks in the <laughs> gift shop right now. <laughs> They are, and I think that you can imagine, buy a hashtag the panda. Imagine caring about Jimmy Fallon in 2022. Imagine Not caring about Jimmy you. Fallon ever, like in any <laughs> ever thing he's ever done. Mm-hmm. In tw- I remember, I don't, I don't know when he started, but I know in 2016 when he had Trump on, I didn't care about him. So it's at least been six years. <laughs> and and Jimmy Fallon's ride opened in 2017. That's still open. Yeah, oh, of course it's still open. It's pretty awful. They, like, they, actually, they spend awful. millions of dollars on it. They're not going to just immediately shutter it. Just put the Tiny Tunes in it. <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's the Acme University. That's right. Yeah, sure, nobody's seen the show in 30 years, but who cares? With hashtag the panda. Yeah, okay, so we should really ask Build It or Not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do we wish Cartoon World with its Looney Tunes land be built, or is Islands of Adventure a better fit? This is basically asking, right? Do you want the uh, the Looney Tunes or Jurassic Park in like a very thin question, right? If I thinned it down, this is like you either get the Looney Tunes now or you get Jurassic Park and uh, Lost Continent and Dr. Yeah. Seuss Land. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I know the worst thing you should do on a podcast is ever be silent. Yeah, I, I, I know. So it's a good, good thing Brian's going to cut that out. But <laughs> I think the... Oh, it's tough because my heart is so close to Jurassic Park. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what was built in place of it is um, a fantastic. But, I, you know, just for the sake of it being like a really colorful and vibrant themed area with a lot of diverse and uh, meta rides that had various different experiences and would have been a whole big full thing that could have potentially built off into greater cartoon spaces at some point. Yeah. I would totally say that they, they totally should have done this. I think the idea of a cartoon world fascinates me more than the, you know, random kind of droppings of uh, Mm -hmm. uh, islands of adventure. And if it meant that Jurassic park is now in the universal proper instead of islands of adventure, so be it. You know, it could have been like you're saying the prospect. I'll, I'll run the risk of the Illumination Park for the prospect <laughs> of potentially doing some kind of a Cartoon Network or Hanna Barbera attractions in the future. Okay, so I like to look at it as: Do we live in a world where this doesn't exist, and that's a shame? And technically, we don't, uh, because again, we have that Abu Dhabi Park, and I think that stuff is fantastic. It's may not as be as inventive or as cool as some of these ideas. As much as I would love to see a land based on Tiny Toons Adventures, I don't think that would exist in 2022. That would have been for sure the thing that would become Minions Land. For sure. That would have been yeah. years ago. Yeah. So I don't even think that's a possibility anymore. 
but we have Islands of Adventure and I love Islands of Adventure and we have this Abu Dhabi park. So I'm going to say regretfully don't build it. So this is an interesting area where you said build it and I said don't. That's fascinating. Which I don't, I don't think, think that's ever happened before. before. No, it hasn't. Yeah. No, it really hasn't. That is wow, you're the you're the optimist today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess it's it's so much like the I, and I'm running a risk, right? Because I, I I have like this bone in my body that's saying, ah, but it could be minions. And that's true. And like you're saying, the Tiny Toons thing would probably be the first one out. Just because the Tiny Toons had their day in the 90s. And I don't even know if that extended into the early 2000s. Yeah. Pro- probably would be minions. But but to me, the idea of a cartoon thing, of a, a cartoon-themed park, I, I just, you just got to love cartoons, right? Yeah, I know you're right. And, you know, the I would much rather have a cartoon area than Kong, than Harry Potter. Mm, well, then. OK, yeah. but I do like I understand where you're going from here. I do like those Harry Potter attractions. Those are cool attractions. I like the first one. Yeah. The the Hogwarts one I liked quite a bit. What, what you mean? The, the Forbidden Journey? Yeah, the Forbidden well, Journey. Haggard's one is really good. Oh, I have okay. I haven't done the Hagrid's yeah. one, right? Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. So there is Hagrid's, and Fly- is uh no Hagrid's. Yeah, Hagrid's is in the Hogsmeade. It's Isle yeah, of Yeah, in the Hogsmeade, right? Mm-hmm. Is Flight of the Hippogriff even still a thing? Yes, it is. Okay, good. So they have those three. Yeah, the Harry Potter stuff's neat. I think I feel so strongly for cartoons and the the opportunities for in in this day and age uh, where you could do they would never do it, but you could like intertwine the adult swim stuff and stuff like that. And one day it would be, you know, I can't imagine that main street would stay the old school cartoons. Mm-hmm. It would probably become something like pulling in as many cartoon network and et cetera brands as they possibly could get their hands on. Yeah. Uh, if they had a library for cartoons that was bigger than just universal proper's own stuff, Right, so they're still dipping into Warner Brothers and uh, and so on and so forth. I, I do think that the prospects of a cartoon world outweigh uh, what what Islands of Adventure is now, which is just one blockbuster away uh, from uh, uh, just becoming monotonous. Though, though, you do have to ask about the Velocicoaster. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm still I'm still optimistic about it. Oh, that's a great point. Oh man, even think about Velocicoaster. Oh, I forgot it was man. a thing, to be honest with you. Oh <laughs> my god. Mm. Oh man, I forgot about that. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Velocicoaster. It's, I'm doubling down on uh, build it on don't build it. Just uh, because, so, yeah, because Velocicoaster exists. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I gotta have that. Gotta that's have true. That. Right. So I'm putting my foot down. We we started with uh, Jurassic World. We're ending up with Jurassic World, and as crappy as Jurassic World is, uh, it, it gave us Velocicoaster. So I can't I can't be too dismissive. I can't no 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 no. Uh, so you have anything else to say before we uh, bow out? I uh, I can understand. I when I was young, I had never really got like you know people who were attracted to cartoon characters. But watching the Looney Tunes thing, I they draw them in such weirdly humanistic ways that i could totally see a generation of people <laughs> being into that lola bunny not my thing but you know what <laughs> i i could see how some people would get like ensnared into that i didn't think that but i was like you know sure if i if someone was a kid and watched this religiously they'd probably be into fan art i don't really know what relevance <laughs> that was but i was watching the movie and i was like why are all these baby looney tunes in bikinis 
They they put bikinis on every one of the girl ones. Abs is in a bikini in the first like ten minutes of the movie, and I was like, you know, not my thing. But... Wow, wow! I did not think we were going to get onto the uh, the fact that furries have a genesis. So <laughs> in. In the meantime, please follow us on social media on Twitter at UnbuiltPod, and you can reach me at Open Mother's Mail and Ryan Dorman at Open the Doorman. Feel free to email us at unbuiltpod at gmail.com and rate us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Anchor, wherever you find this podcast. Please write a review and tell us how we're doing. If you don't like us, thank you for listening to Kyle and Luke Talk About Tunes. I'm Luke Ski. That's all, folks. Dear, looks like Plucky's had way too much excitement for one trip. Put him in back, Hampton. Okay, Dad. Happy World Land. Happy World Land. Where all your dreams come true.